0: Welcome to the Bell and Gossip Podcast, live from the 2020 AHR Expo. I'm your host, Amanda Holloway, joined by Griffin Goda, and throughout the show, we'll have some fantastic guests and topics to share with you in this series, including several of our manufacturers, reps, and xylem experts. You'll get insights into the trends they're seeing in the HVAC and plumbing industry. Enjoy the show. We're at AHR 2020. I'm here with Mark Hansel. Hi Mark, thanks for being here today.
1: Thank you Amanda, it's great to be here as always.
0: If you can just start by telling us what you do for Xylem.
1: Um, Amanda, my title is Vice President of Product Regulatory Affairs and Government Affairs, so um, I wear a couple of hats. Um, Product regulations are extremely important to us because they are, you know, basically we want to comply, we want to make sure that we're providing products that meet any applicable regulations, whether it's you know specifically related to a product or a system design. So, my focus in that area is to make sure that you know Xylem has a voice in the development of those regulations. And once we know what they are, that we we work to comply with them. So, um, I think, Amanda, you you know I've done some other podcasts. We've talked a lot about the the DOE commercial and industrial pump pump Efficiency or pump energy regulations that just went into effect on January 27th. So, you know, that's a, an example because it's eight years in the making that yeah. that, from the day we started negotiating with the DOE to, you know, the actual date when it went into effect. So, on the product regulation side, that's a big part of my job. Um, I'll also tell you, I go to Europe and I represent us at an organization called Europump, which is the sure. European Pump Manufacturers Association. And, um, you know, we'll, I'm, I'm sure we'll get more into Europe, but Europe is the hotbed of regulation and system regulation right now. On the government affairs side, completely different set of responsibilities, but Xylem is an enormous corporation and we're still a very young corporation having only you know, been formed in 2011. So my responsibilities there are to you know basically travel to Washington and Brussels and pe- places like that and make sure elected officials know who Xylem is, what we do, how we do it, um, to talk about some of the innovative products that we have to help with key you know, issues related to things like clean water and water treatment and water reuse. So, uh, uh, like I said, I wear a lot of hats, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, Um, that's that's a lot of great stuff. And so, EHR Expo, how many is this for you?
1: Oh, probably about 25.
0: Wow. Yeah,
1: I mean, I I grew up in the buildings business, so, um, you know, AHR has always had a a real important part of my life. Uh, (laughs) It's a huge focus for us. You know, it's the one national HVAC trade show every year. And, um, you know, it's a great gathering of the industry. Uh, A lot of companies use it like we do for many other sidebar meetings. So um, it's great to have all of our people related to this business in town and all of our our distributors and reps and um, other people that are important to us in this business. Sure. Along with many of our Customers' constituents. Yeah, and that's what we
0: were just talking about before we started this this conversation a little bit. As the ASHRAE exactly they have a a conference simultaneous to the AHR Expo that you attend.
1: That's correct. Yeah, the AHR Expo is you know it's the trade show, but um, on the other side, you know, I mentioned all of our meetings. Well, um, you know, ASHRAE is a standard-setting organization basically on their own and so they hold their own technical conference in conjunction with the trade show and um, that technical conference is you know focused on building design on energy efficiency on HVAC systems and plumbing systems so you know there're probably 2 3000 people or more attending just the technical conference that goes on in conjunction with the ASHRAE expo
0: wow so busy weekend and a busy start to the week. Well,
1: you know, um it, it, it we never we never, you know, we never come here knowing that we're going to get as exhausted as we do. Everybody thinks oh, trade shows are fun, but um it's a it is a very busy week, you know. And I think the key thing is that while everyone's in town, you you have to take advantage of the opportunity. So um, you know, I have I spent the weekend attending ASHRAE 90.1 meetings, sure. so the ASHRAE 90.1 standard is the basically the commercial building energy standard that ASHRAE has probably, I think it's been in existence almost 25 years, but every three years they publish a new version of that standard, and the goal is constantly to reduce the energy consumptions in, in commercial buildings. The goal someday is to be at, you know, a net zero building, which is basically means the building produces as much energy as it uses. And, uh, you know, so those are always very interesting discussions because the ASHRAE members who participate, they have to balance things like indoor air comfort, you know, uh, how good is the air in the building? How comfortable are the occupants? How safe is the water? Along with trying to achieve energy sure. reduction. So it's it's always a very interesting discussion.
0: So you mentioned um, the DOE put in... in um conservation standards Mm -hmm. that went into effect on January 27th and you said you've been working on that for about eight years you've been a part of that process yeah
1: just because I I was um, very fortunate you know one of those things you never see your career going a certain direction but um, when the when the DOE announced that they wanted to look at regulating pumps the industry decided it was in our best interest to work together so, our, in North America, our pump association is the Hydraulic Institute, which has been around for a hundred and some years. So, it's a long-standing trade organization and one that Xylem and many other pump manufacturers support. And their previous mission was really focused more on technical standards for pumps. You know, how do you test pumps? What are the larval vibration? Things like that. Um, but when the DOE announced their intention, really they formed a committee and said, you know, we need a different set of people you know, that's going to go talk to the DOE and represent the industry. So I was fortunate to serve on that uh, committee for HI. And, you know, I think DOE has always um, considered HI's, you know, we're we're a model for them because we didn't choose to fight them. We chose to work with them. We chose to educate them. We chose to try to make this, what they were trying to do better than it would have been if we, we resisted. So, um, You know, I think uh, it it was an interesting experience, you know, sitting in a room with a lot of people interested in that energy standard and working to negotiate and come to agreement on what was feasible, what the industry could do, and what was acceptable for reducing energy consumption.
0: And Xylem saw this coming. So we were able to take our Gossett portfolio and largely prepare for those regulations Far in advance of when they actually oh, exactly, took place. exactly, Amanda.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think you know this is one of the benefits of a large company like Xylem. You know, we do business around the world, and because we do business around the world, you know, some of these standards had um, they, they, their origin is in Europe. Europe is very, very focused on um, climate change being a major concern. They're really focused on changing their economy to address climate change. So they had put regulations in much like what the DOE did probably five to seven years ahead of the DOE and um, interesting DOE has a mandate that if there are existing regulations around the world that they need to try to stay in sync with them and and obviously for xylem that was important because you know we last thing we want is a different standard everywhere around the world so you know once we kind of got that insight we were able to start looking at our products ahead of time and understanding the impact that future regulations would have and um, you're exactly right we didn't wait for the regulation to get finished we launched the redesign and um, you know the beautiful thing today is that um, you know if you look some of our pump models were 20-25 years old and um, the way we design a pump today is completely different from how we designed pumps back then and and you know We have abilities to use computers for simulation, we have the abilities to use 3D modeling to build you know, prototype parts, so um, you we know, were able to basically improve the efficiency of all of our models. We didn't just do sure. the ones that were going to be impacted by the regulation, right. we said we're going to redesign the whole platform. I think uh, it has resulted in, as you said, we were prepared for the DOE regulation. Um, three years in advance of the deadline uh, the DOE gave the industry four years to be prepared So a lot of people were are still actually working on being prepared sure. even though we're a week past the deadline But uh,
0: that's usually you know how we, we
1: were ahead of the game. So
0: well, that's great But now what so DOE this was like a labor of love for for so long and and now we're here And um, what future pump energy conservation regulations are in store for well
1: I, again North I I mentioned I go to Europe and represent us at Europump. Yeah. Um, Europe is still leading the way on product regulations and they are continuing to look at pumps as a, an additional place that they can save energy. So, you know, we're we're talking to the European Union commissions about, you know, future changes to their regulations and I think will eventually be the model for future DOE regulations. So, okay. um, you know, and, and and just to give you example um circulator pumps some of the smallest pumps that we make but in the big scheme of things because of the number of those that we sell uh, the potential energy savings if there was a circulator pump regulation is greater than the new the regulation that just went into effect okay and um you know there's there was a doe working group that focused on circulators and made a recommendation um just the climate in washington that that has never been put out as a formal rule so um, you know the industry is still allowed to sell standard induction circulators as well as ECM but um, Europe um, they have a a regulation that only ECM circulators can be sold and they're looking at even making that tougher they're gonna drop down the the uh, regulation make it even tougher so you know that's when I say Europe's leading the way is that they're pushing the manufacturers for more and more efficient products
0: is it fair to say that Europe is ahead of? North America by a stretch in terms of the regulations they have in place now?
1: I, I think that's a very fair statement to make. You know, it, it it's, politics is a tough subject to get into and yeah. everybody has their own, you know, so I rarely go there, but I'll just say that uh, obviously the, the decisions that are being made don't always reflect, you know, what's really the the general climate, you know, with the climate change issue, I mean, I think in the US, you know, we're seeing cities and states take action trying to respond to climate change and federally in Washington there's very little movement so I think that's why we're not seeing additional regulations coming forward right now okay
0: that's good insight so with the DOE rules that just came into effect this year is the industry kind of even if people are slow to adopt it is there an acceptance of it is it like people want to be jumping on board with it or is there even that kind of
1: well You know, Griffin, I think the the key thing is is that, um, you know, first of all, the manufacturers have to comply. Their products have to comply. But one of the things that we worked really hard with the DOE to educate them was, is that there, you know, I mean, there are far more ways to make a pump system more efficient than just focusing on the pump efficiency. And so that's where, you know, we look at the pump, motor, and drive. You know, it's the true system. And, um, you know, I think they're... You know, And this is one of the things like with, ASH, with ASHRAE that we mentioned earlier, that ASHRAE has codes that dictate in the design of buildings at a certain horsepower, you should be putting a variable speed on a pump, especially if it has a, in an HVAC system that is a variable load. The, the demand for cooling changes throughout the day, the demand for heating changes throughout the day. So Europe's looking at mandating that any, any pump must be installed with a variable speed drive. We're not at that point here in the U.S. And, um, you know, there's a tremendous amount of energy being left on the table because we're not
0: demanding those type of things. And I'm sure it's, I mean, I'm sure cost comes into factor when, you know, when you're looking at whether or not to, to put a variable speed drive onto mm-hmm. your your system or what have you. But, I mean, isn't the the potential energy savings from a dollar standpoint there when you're looking at things like ECM motors and... Better you know, push- um, absolutely, it's, push-
1: it's it's oh. there, Amanda. Um, you know, first cost in a construction project is always you know, and, well, I mean, the first cost is a demand anywhere. You know, everybody has a budget. I can spend this much money, and um, you know, it, let's just say that typically in the construction process, the building gets designed in a in a pristine, energy-saving, <laughs> you know. Yeah culture but then when the true cost of reality of building the building come through um, you know there's there's pressures on the money that's available and it forces changes to be made and a lot of times some of the first things that go are those energy-saving features that were in the original design so okay. you know the, the thing that's beautiful that's happening in the market um you know with them with a pump you always have to wait to, to turn it on electrically you have to have whether it's a magnetic starter you have to have a disconnect for safety purposes and um, the bottom line is is that variable speed drives are getting so inexpensive today that the electrical cost of putting a drive in is about the same of cost of putting in the other way of starting that pump and disconnecting. Drives always have a disconnect built in, so it's there. So um, I, I think you know that's just an example that the costs are are getting so even in line sure. that you can go either way and uh but when you factor in what the energy savings of the the drive can bring for the life cycle of that product it gets omitted because oh it's extra costs we'll, we'll do that later well most of the time it never happens but um you know so that's i think you know kind of some of the things that that we're trying to talk about And i think it's also really important to note that you know the fact of life in a, in a building design is that every piece of equipment in a building has a safety margin or a safety factor that's put on it just you know everyone's always concerned the last thing you want is to not have enough cooling in a particular room or not enough heating so you put a little safety factor on it well um, a lot of times that means the pump is oversized and you know ASHRAE 90.1 actually has language that says when the system is installed and they balance it which balance the flows and where it's going they basically stipulate the pump should be disassembled and the impeller should be trimmed to the correct diameter to match the actual flow and head requirements of the system. So think about this, okay? You just bought a new car, and we want you to take it in the mechanic and have the engine disassembled, okay? Would, would, would you really be interested in doing that? No, not Yeah, not exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, so I think the bottom line reality is that, you know, that might have been a a solution to how to address this over design issue the safety factor issue but it's not very effective in pulling it out well another fa- way you can look at a variable speed drive it will adjust the speed of the pump to that system demand so it's an automatic impeller trim in many ways so that's that's where you know things get overlooked and you know when you don't put that system in that way you, you don't get that benefit
0: so can you clarify something for me because sometimes I I get confused on this topic but so ASHRAE they put together codes Yep. are they they they're not the same though as federal regulations right so great question yeah
1: well so ASHRAE a lot of ASHRAE's recommendations are design recommendations Um, so they're they're not law they're not code 90.1 is unique okay because 90.1 is focused on energy, um, actually the way the process works, ASHRAE takes three years to develop the next version of 90.1. They actually turn it over to the DOE, and the DOE basically reviews the changes, and um, you know. So the 90.1 committee, you know, they actually you know put a number on it. They say the newest version, 90.1, is going to save 1.6 percent of building energy, and the DOE confirms that. When the DOE confirms it. Basically, it becomes building code for any new federal buildings being constructed. Okay. And they put it out to the states, and they highly recommend that states adopt it as their building code. Um, it takes a long time for that to trickle down and get all the way implemented. If you, you know, there's maps out there that will show you that, you know, some of the states are. You know, nine years behind in adopting the the next version of ASHRAE ninety point one as their code, but but there is a process to link it to building code. Amanda okay. is the point. So, but you're absolutely right. Most of ASHRAE's other activities are not ever code implemented. They are just clearly design recommendations for okay. consulting engineers. Well,
0: oh, that's that's really helpful because I think people just automatically assume that if it's ASHRAE, that's then right, it's law. And, right. Um,
1: yeah, and now uh, I. have, to say you know looking at the entire pump industry there's not an organization like an ASHRAE anywhere else in the pump industry you know there's not um, somebody focused on energy conservation who's looking at other types of applications for pumps so it's it's very unique Um, in those meetings that we had with the DOE going back when we first started negotiating the the large you know the commercial industrial pump standard they the, the DOE says well why don't you more closely control how pumps are designed in systems and you know, we, we can't do that because you know, we give our technical information to consultants and we let them design the system as they feel it's appropriate. But we just couldn't understand, well, why don't you tell them they can't overhead, you know, over, put that safety factor on. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just that's not the way the industry works. Sure. So, but they were very interested to find that ASHRAE 90.1 existed and wanted to know were there other codes like that that could be pushed to put more types of things that would drive energy consumption in pumps.
0: show in the field with Gould's Water Technology, the latest series covers tips and trainings for small business owners. Listen to all five episodes of the Small Business Toolbox series wherever you get your podcasts. So you talked about Europe a little bit. Um, are there other regulations like in Canada that you work on or do they kind of adapt? What is it more of a North American thing?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, Canada... Um, Adopted the exact United States Department of Energy regulations for commercial industrial pumps. Oh, okay. Um, so they 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 took a long time to do it. They didn't announce it until June of 2018, um, and they actually they put an additional requirement in that the DOE doesn't have, and and that's that they wanted a, a third party firm to certify that all pump manufacturers are properly testing you know, properly calculating efficiency, properly reporting their PEIs, which is the DOE performance metric. So, um, you know, Canada's law went into effect last week. We're still working on that third party certification. We know our pumps comply. we're, we, we actually jumped on board a hydraulic institute program yeah. to get our lab certified um, so we're actually working the same firm that certified our lab to certify our data right. for Canada so okay. um, it, it's just because Canada got a late start that it isn't done yet but you know we're we Canada has given most of the pump industry an extension because you know we're, we're all scrambling to meet their deadline yeah, and, sure. you know but um, again the, the products there but it's it's actually another good thing for you know all of our and, you know, customers and users, because now we're all going to have a third-party firm saying yes, they did test the pump right. Yes, they did calculate their numbers correctly. So it's it's always good to have Big Brother or yeah, somebody a, looking a over your of shoulder. Yeah, a watchdog. Yeah, sure. exactly.
0: So, in the absence of regulations, what can specifying or specifiers, uh, pump specifiers, do to conserve pump energy?
1: No, I, I, I mean, or building
0: I, owners. I, I think
1: this is the educational opportunity that every member of the hydraulic institute has and every pump manufacturer um... you know basically we all know that we have ways to make systems more efficiently and so it's an educational process it's obviously Ashray helps uh, we do a lot of technical seminars Amanda you're very familiar you know the little red schoolhouse yeah. that we, we work very very hard to you know educate consulting engineers on proper system design and ways to save energy. So, you know, I think a lot of these things that, that I've mentioned that before they come up, a- a federal rule you know we're talking about them we're educating we're trying to make sure people know that they can do things beyond what's required and um, you know so it, it's that's really the process right now eventually it will the rules will catch up but in the meantime you know making sure people know that there is another option there's a different way to do things there's technology technology is advancing um, I'll give you an example on on the circulator product even though um, there is no regulation requiring us to, to sell a, a high-efficiency the industry has agreed that we're going to start putting an, an energy rating label on our circulator products so um, it will be you know, most of us are familiar like when we buy a washer or a dryer and, yeah. you know it's got that energy star label so it's not it an it energy star but it's a label that looks very like that it shows you know where does this pump fall and what's available on the market what's the least consumptive and the most consumptive so um, Again, just another way of putting it out there, saying, well, yeah, that, that high-efficiency circulator might cost a little bit, but look at how much energy it saves the, you know, the owner of the building right. or you know, the consumer. So it's just another way that we can continue to educate. And um, you know, like I said, you know, we do education. Uh, many other pump manufacturers do. Certainly, the Hydraulic Institute is, is out trying to educate people because of our focus on, on pumps and HI. So um, you know, lots of different ways to learn right. tips and techniques.
0: And you think, I guess, you look at um, PLEV, which was introduced, something that Bell and Gossett introduced, I think a couple years ago now, um, and that seems like a it, it's, it was a voluntary thing, mm-hmm. but it was meant to really enhance people's understanding of efficiency in the system. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I mean, our our effort with PLEB a couple years ago was really um, just trying to educate the industry that, you know, sure, you pick a pump at a design point, which is really the maximum load that you ever expected to have to pump. But um, really, you know, like I mentioned, because of HVAC systems, their variable load, the pump doesn't stay at that point. It does. It's like you bought a car that can drive 100 miles an hour, but you don't always drive it at 100 miles an hour. So um, the PLEV was a, was a load profile that really reflected this is how your system typically operates. So you're not getting just one efficiency. You're getting, you know, basically a blended efficiency. And so, you know, we made an effort to educate the industry that, you know, sure, you know, Best efficiency point is is important in selecting your right. product, but realistically, PLEV really helps you understand. Well, this is really the blended efficiency that I'm going to see from that product. And, um, you know, Amanda, when we redesigned our pumps, you're, you're familiar. We we really focused heavily on what we call efficiency islands. Yeah. And efficiency islands. Um. You know, again, modern design techniques are amazing. We probably sacrificed best efficiency but what we got instead with Efficiency Islands is a tighter band of higher efficiency. And when you look at something like PLEV, that means the pump operates in those higher bands more typically than it would if it was just trying right. to hit that best efficiency. So, um, PLEB Efficiency Islands, all these things, they all come together, but really it, it, it's a reflection that Bell & Gossett designed their pumps to operate in variable load conditions and to provide the owner of that pump the most efficient operation possible because we know it's going to vary in right. where it's what the fluid that amount that it's pumping. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a long, complicated story. And, and um, you know, I think if, there, if there's anything I've been doing over the last year is, you know, out educating people on the DOE commercial pump energy conservation standard. And you know, I get that question a lot. Well what is, you know, what's what do I need to take away from this? Well, sure. you know, the biggest takeaway is, you know, the DOE has their own new metric, PEI. And so we educate pretty, pretty hard. What does PEI mean? How's it calculated? You know, what do I need to know about it? But the bottom line is the engineer's job and the way he picks pumps and the importance of PLEV and efficiency islands, that, that, that hasn't changed a bit with the DOE's rule.
0: Well that's good. <laughs> no, it is good. Well, yeah. It.
1: But you know, I mean, you know, DOE has requirements, you know, for example, every one of our pump now has to have PEI on the nameplate. Yeah. Okay, that that's that's a requirement, and we're we're meeting that. All pumps we're shipping have it. Uh, we have to show the PEI, the Pump Energy Index, on performance curves. So we so all that information's out in front of the engineering community, and, and really the education effort was to make sure they knew. Well, why is well, what is PEI? What does it mean for me? And that's a lot of what we've done on the education side. Yeah. In addition to
0: energy regulations. Um, Impacting the pump industry, are there any other regulations or standards to be aware of?
1: You know, um, I think you know some of the biggest concern these days are about water quality. So I think the the focus on ensuring building occupants of having clean, safe, safe water, water is yeah. is a very important process. Um, certainly, there's been a lot of press lately about Legionella. Yeah. Um, and Legionella its a—it's a nasty, nasty stuff. And the bottom line is, is that it forms in stagnant water that gets extremely warm, over 100 degrees. And so, um, modern building systems are designed, you know, to assure that that you, you don't have stagnant water in a, a drinking water system. But in a large commercial building that's maybe, you know, 30, 40 years old, that that wasn't always a criteria that they worried about. So, um, I, I think that concern about water quality in buildings is extremely important. Um, I think there's also a lot of focus. Um, I, I know it's it's in Europe they have the focus, but even here in the U.S. there's a lot of focus on, you know, what materials are products made of that might be harmful, okay? And I'll just give you an example. Um, lead is something that obviously has been, you know, well well documented that it's hazardous, particularly to, you know, causes a lot of brain impacts, you know, for developing children and things like that. But lead is a very common ingredient in most metal components. It's it's The beautiful thing about lead is it's very strong, but it actually helps soften the metal. And you might say, well, wh- how is that helpful? Well, every pump part that you get has to be machined, okay? So if that material is super hard, it's very difficult for us to machine it. We go through a lot of machining tools faster. So very very small amounts of lead are added to a lot of metal components and uh, right now federal standards allow us to do that there is a federal description of what lead free is and it's not lead free it allows a very very small portion of lead but there are existing regulations that you know Europe is probably going to lead the way but they are going to ban the use of lead and so you know I think the industry Probably hasn't quite started to focus on that because, uh, you know, it's just not right in our face yet. But I think, you know, that's a coming standard that impacts that water quality that we will all have to address. And and by the way, it's not just pump manufacturers, it's valve manufacturers, it's pipe manufacturers. So anybody has anything to do with, with the process that involves metal material.
0: Okay. Well, that's really interesting.
1: And and I'll just say that there is focus in Washington on on lead. Um, It's not particularly in metals like in pumps. Um, Many older homes were constructed with lead lines that come from the city water main to the house. And so a lot of communities are looking, how do we get rid of that? And it's very, very costly. And I think that's why Washington's having to step up and provide low interest loans and help water municipalities address that. So it's not just buildings, it's, it's even broader.
0: I mean that's a an issue nationwide and has been for years. And yes, that's the, correct. Just rebuilding the entire infrastructure around water systems. I mean that's why you have water main breaks and no exactly know, giant. What do they call them? Not yeah, and topics, I think but. um
1: you know water infrastructure is a topic that I get more into on my government affairs side of my responsibilities. And uh, you know I think the the positive thing about water infrastructure is there is a, a general recognition regardless of you know political affiliation that water infrastructure is critically important and um, you know it's about assuring clean water at a reasonable price for for all residents of the united states but it's also about clean water leaving wastewater treatment plants so that we're not polluting the environment Um, you know so there's there's lots of different angles to it but i think um, i think that's what helps resonate with xylem when i go to washington dc and is that you know, clean water is of interest to just about everybody that we talk to.
0: Well, it's been a really interesting conversation, Mark. Thanks so much for um, coming out this morning.
1: No, it's always a pleasure, Amanda, and uh, greatly appreciate everything you're doing to, to get the word out. And thank you again.
0: Love to catch up with you again sometime soon.
1: Very good. Thank you.
0: Take care. Thanks. The Solving Water Podcast is produced and distributed by Xylem a global water technology company of more than 16,000 employees committed to solving critical water and infrastructure challenges worldwide. Stream, download, and subscribe.